brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Wouldn't it be nice to have several thought leaders in your industry know and love your brand? Start a podcast. Invite your industry's thought leaders to be guests on your show. And start reaping the benefits of having a network full of industry influencers. Learn more at sweetfishmedia.com. You're listening to B2B Growth, a daily podcast for B2B leaders. We've interviewed names you've probably heard before, like Gary Vaynerchuk and Simon Sinek, but you've probably never heard from the majority of our guests. That's because the bulk of our interviews aren't with professional speakers and authors. Most of our guests are in the trenches leading sales and marketing teams. They're implementing strategy. They're experimenting with tactics. They're building the fastest growing B2B companies in the world. My name is James Carberry. I'm the founder of Sweetfish Media, a podcast agency for B2B brands, and I'm also one of the co-hosts of this show. When we're not interviewing sales and marketing leaders, you'll hear stories from behind the scenes of our own business. We'll share the ups and downs of our journey as we attempt to take over the world. Just kidding. Well, maybe. Let's get into the show. Hey everybody, Logan with Sweetfish here. It's a new year and a new decade, and we're celebrating by rounding up the top 20 episodes as we look back on 2019. We'll be sharing them here throughout the month of January in our hashtag best of 2019 series. Today, we're kicking off the best of 2019 series with a look back or a listen back at episode 1123 with Chris Willis, who shared the surprising connection between brand and customer experience. To hear what else made the list of our hand-picked 20 episodes from 2019, check back tomorrow for number 19. Welcome back to B2B Growth. I am your host for today's episode, Nikki Ivey with Sweetfish Media. Guys, I've got with me today... Chris Willis, who is Chief Marketing Officer of Acrolinks. Chris, how are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I'm doing well. You know what I mean? The sun is shining here in North Florida. I can never complain when that's the case. Uh, and I'm getting to talk to you. Uh, and I'm super excited about this, this topic that we're, we're going to be getting into. We're going to be talking a bit about the relationship between marketing and customer experience, and also more specifically, how brand plays into that. But before we dig in, Chris, I would love it if you would just give us a little bit of background on yourself and what you and the folks at Acrolinks have been up to these days. Great. So again, I'm, I'm Chris Willis. Um, I run marketing here at Acrolinks. We are an AI-powered platform that really eliminates a lot of the content chaos in 
the engines of businesses. Um, we deliver strategy-aligned content at scale. Um, our customers tend to be some of the largest brands in the world. What we do, essentially, is our platform captures the way that an enterprise communicates. So think things like terminology, um, tone of voice, clarity levels, gender balance, right? And it aligns your content creation with those guidelines. So it's shortening your editorial process with automation, creating better content faster, and then providing analytics that show you a full 360-degree view of your content engine in a way that you've never seen it before. I love it. This idea of a content engine is something that we believe in and kind of run on here at Sweetfish Media. So you're a man after my own heart. And even more so, like I said, given this topic that we're going to be talking about today, because I just don't think it's talked about enough. I'll I'll jump right in with the question, you know, that we're really trying to answer here. And that is, how does brand work with customer experience to ensure that a company is differentiated and individual. Talk to us a little bit about that and, and sort of some of the things you're, you're seeing people run into. I think it's interesting the way that brand sits in a lot of enterprises. The more folks that I talk to that, that run brand at, at Fortune 500 companies, the more I find that it really is a, a segmented silo of a, of a business place. I'm not even going to call it a business unit um, because it tends to be a fairly small group that lacks the authority to, I'm going to use the word govern that brand that they create across the entire business. So when you think of of brand, I mean, a lot of us see it in the the form of B2C, big consumer brands that we see on TV, right? So this concept of we've created a message, we've created a, a tone, a way that we communicate becomes a campaign. It becomes advertising. And so that's great for the acquisition aspect of of bringing in new customers. But when you think about the areas in the business that really have the the broadest reach right now, as we've shifted to digital, as we've moved into a world where most of our customers are really doubling down on the customer experience aspect of their business, it is in areas like customer success, uh, customer support, service where a lot of touch points live, right? So how do those folks who are fairly segmented from marketing or from brand, A, benefit from the brand that's been created and B, communicate that brand out to their audiences and C, finally, test to see if that brand resonates with those folks. And it's a, like I said, it's a conversation that we're having a lot more recently as that run to customer experience really happens. I think if you look back two years, it was everybody was talking about the digital shift. I feel like we've made that shift. Mm-hmm. And and today a lot of what we're hearing about is this this drive towards enhanced customers, uh, customer experience. Um, and I think this plays a big role that that intersection between marketing brand and experience to create touch points that align with the rest of the business. And alignment really is the important aspect of this. Right. So what I what I got from that is a, a couple of places where folks are are missing. Um, number one is folks not having the authority to get the adoption that they need across disciplines, right, or across the the enterprise. Yep. Talk about why that's happening. I think that nobody in in a lot of businesses nobody reports to brand. It's it's a part of in most businesses marketing um, reporting to the CMO. Mm-hmm. And it's a function that creates and offers to the rest of the business. 
And, and as you talk to people that hold that role, they understand it's a relationship game. I had a call with a, a SVP of brand last week, and he described his job as very relationship-driven. He's reaching out to leaders in the organization, explaining the value of the brand and how it can be used. And then I don't know what his word is, but I'm going to use hoping that they'll adopt it. But he doesn't have a way to make them adopt it. It has to be an, an edict from the CEO. In, in the case of, of this fellow, what he was looking to do is find ways to provide a function inside the organization that would be assistive to them, that would seem to be a benefit to the users that would also allow them to align with his brand. That was the, the end goal. It's really interesting. So this person's SV, role is SVP of brand, which I don't hear even existing very, very often. You more often hear that, you know, the, whatever the brand initiatives are, come from sort of marketing proper. How often do you see that, that it's, it's a separate role or a separate ownership piece, brand separate from marketing? And, and is that, why is that something that you think needs to, or do you think that's something that, that needs to be the case more often than not? I think it totally depends on the CEO of the organization, really, and what the background of that CEO is. If you have a very marketing savvy CEO, it's possible that brand can be its own segment inside the business. If the marketing leadership really comes from the CMO, the CMO is going to capture that. I know in in our case, I I own that and it makes the most sense there. I was talking to a, a heavy equipment manufacturer yesterday and brand lives as an overlay across all business units um, and is largely a, a creation and training engine. And so they have created this, this brand for the organization. They're in the process of, of pushing out a, a brand refresh right now. And their job is to go and enable. And they've done enablement for a thousand people so far. And they're in the next stage of iteration of the brand. Whoa, whoa, stop, rewind. So you've already trained a thousand people. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to make a change, and then you're going to go and train a thousand people again, right? And we all agree that that seems like a thing that could be avoided, but it's a thing in their business. It's necessary. They sit in their own position. They want all of their touch points leveraging this language. They're a very customer centric company, and the only way that they can reach their those customer experience touch points is to literally go out in the field, sit down with people. Um, and train them on style guidelines, terminology. Wow, it's a lot. Um, so, so if, if, if what has to happen is right, these CMOs or or SVPs of brand who do all this work to create the the voice and the face of the company, and then I guess at that point, not even know, no matter how effective it is, if it's going to end up getting to the audience without the buy-in of the CEO or what, what's to be done at that point, right? Let's say, let's say you, you do all that work and then you don't get, you don't necessarily have CEO buy-in, right? But you, you are empowered to make sure that the, the messaging and the voice that you created um, is something that gets to your CS folks and your, your sales folks. How do you enact that strategy without the support of, of your CEO? Is that possible? It's really hard. I mean, to create internal mechanisms for alignment that are manually driven is tough. It's really about leveraging automation. It's about providing smart systems that are able to 
to drive that process for you and then drive benefit to the folks that are using it. Like I got to want to use whatever it is you're giving me. If it's onerous to me sitting at a support desk, creating support content, I'm not, not going to use it. And so if it's additive, if it's providing me more time in my day, if it's providing me with better results in my job, if it's creating better KPIs for my department and what I'm trying to do, then yeah, I, that's, that seems like something that's interesting. So it goes from being an edict to being assistance. Got it. And that's really the only way to drive this. You can't tell people what to do just because you want them to do it. You have to give them something that helps them do their job better to be more successful. And in the end, I mean, everybody's trying to make more money. Right. Um, and that's that's really how to how to get to a level of success. And you want to start that you know in, in one area and let it spread across a wider swath of your business. And we're really starting to see a groundswell around that right now of like how do we put something in the hands of our, our knowledge creators in our support organization that's going to make them that's going to allow them to create better content faster in less time with less review processes so that they can be spending time making more and solving more problems and driving the customer satisfaction levels up, driving all of their key metrics associated with their customer touch points. Right. So that, that's the, the story or that's the selling point, right? That I, I would surprise me if that didn't resonate across all disciplines, right? This idea of leveraging all the, the touch points that are out there because outside that we are kind of leaving those on the table. And, and that's where it gets into this audience guided strategy, which I think also is one of the biggest benefits or things that organizations stand to gain um, if they take this approach that you're talking about. Dig into that for us a little bit. Yeah. So I, there's a report from Gartner that came out in the last month or so. Chris Ross over there um, did a brand study. And you know, when you think about how we as, as brand and marketing people look at the world, we're building for our audience. So I created a, a, a tone of voice here. I created a personification of our brand and our services team put together an actionable plan that allowed us to create um, a version of our software for us that speaks, that helps us to speak the way that we want to speak. And I did that based on, I think, a fairly solid knowledge of our customer base, um, of the audience we're trying to speak to. We have three specific personas. So we have three different ways of communicating because we talk to marketing, customer experience, and product development. And so we've devised this model and put this out in the marketplace. Here's the thing. I did that, right? Not mm-hmm. my audience didn't do it. I did it. And what Gartner uncovered is that 80% of enterprises don't know their audience the way that they think they do. So 20% right on the money. 80% don't know them the way that they think. And if that's true, then no amount of alignment of content creation with your brand is going to solve the problem of you don't know your audience. And so I can have a very solid brand that I turn into a very solid set of guidelines that allows me to create very specific content in a very specific voice. And then I put it out in the world and it's all aligned. Everything is aligned all the way through. I've created the content that my brand wanted from day one and I put it out in the world and it doesn't perform. What do you do with that? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean that... That your content creation, like your content creators are bad at what they're doing. And I would argue it does not. I would argue that all the way back to the beginning of that process, Gartner already called you out. You don't know your audience the way you think you know your audience. 
And when you think in terms of something like customer success or customer support, and all of the content that's being created in knowledge bases, it's super easy to throw at the end of one of those pieces of content. Did this solve your problem? And if no, why? Well, it was unclear. I couldn't really understand what it said. Interesting. So clarity levels seem to be a problem. It used words I didn't, I couldn't follow. I didn't understand. Okay, terminology. Like we can turn this into action and route back into A-B testing that helps you to evolve your brand. So that you're actually going to create, you're going to go from alignment to your strategy, which maybe you made up. Uh, made up is a simplified term for you hired an agency and then spent millions of dollars. Yada, yada, yada. Sure, anyway. Guess that. For um, sure. Right. To something that your audience has guided you to. And so this full circle process of, of iterating your brand based on what your audience says is great, but then your brand is constantly changing and your governance model is constantly changing because all the people that you told to say white instead of purple uh, know to say white now. And now you got to say purple. And how do I tell them to do that? And so this concept of constantly aligning really is this evolution inside the business that needs to be governed, needs to be managed, and it needs to be additive to your users. Hey, everybody. Logan with Sweetfish here. You probably already know that we think you should start a podcast if you haven't already. But what if you have and you're asking these kinds of questions? How much has our podcast impacted revenue this year? How's our sales team actually leveraging the podcast content? If you can't answer these questions, you're actually not alone. This is why Casted created the very first content marketing platform made specifically for B2B podcasting. Now you can more easily search and share your audio content while getting greater visibility into the impact of your podcast. The marketing teams at Drift, Terminus, and here at Sweetfish have started using Casted to get more value out of our podcasts, and you probably can too. You can check out the product in action at casted.us slash growth. That's C-A-S-T-E-D dot U-S slash growth. All right, let's get back to the show. God, thank you so much for, for laying that out the way you did. I Like I said, this is not a conversation, uh, or like you said, it's not a conversation that folks are having enough and everybody's losing when it comes to what's being left on, on the table in terms of what it could do for customer experience, what it could do for brands, for the identity of marketing and brand as, as a profession moving forward. <laughs> like so much stands to be gained or lost. In really simple areas. Like yeah. acquiring customers. So having a consolidated front to your audiences helps you to get customers. It also helps you to keep customers because you're putting out you're putting out support and assistive content to your existing customer base that aligns with the rest of the things your business is saying and the ways that they're saying it. It also helps you helps you to avoid risk. So don't say things across your entire enterprise that are going to get you in trouble. Let's go through some level of compliance check. And then finally, all the things that you don't really even think about, like how do I internationalize my content in a way that it still sounds like us? Mm-hmm. Like how do I create source content that's translatable, for instance, mm-hmm. um, and continues to be on brand in German as much as it is in, in American, which is super hard. Um, and we don't, we don't have that conversation. And it's going from being a conversation that was really fun to have a year ago to a conversation that's really important to have today. It becomes a competitive differentiator. 
when you're talking about driving top line revenue, when you're talking about retaining customers and reducing churn in a world where most things are subscription, um, in a world where you're launching major products um, that need to be supported and lack of support and lack of documentation and documentation issues create huge risk positions for businesses, content matters. And, and being able to align that with the brand that's being created in the organization, the voice the company's created, is, is now a critical aspect of the way that enterprises do business. For sure. Y'all can't see me, but I'm nodding. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling all of that. Uh, and so now, so now, Chris, that I've, uh, I've gotten a chance to successfully pick your brain and see what I can get out of it. It's time. It's time for you to tell us about what you are putting in it. So talk to us about a learning resource you've engaged with here recently that is, you know, informing your approach or that's just got you excited these days. So, all right. How do you know if somebody does CrossFit? Don't worry. They'll tell you. Um, <laughs> uh, my meditation is, is really the gym. It gives me time in the day to not think about anything and clear my mind. So you wake up anxious, you wake up concerned, there's a lot going on. I don't have time or interest in medicating for morning anxiety. Uh, I get up, go to the gym at 5.30 in the morning every day, and for an hour, I am clear. And when I get here to the office at 7.15, I'm ready to face the day. All the anxiety is gone. I've been competitive. I have driven myself to the edge of my limits, and, and now I'm ready to dig in and get things done. Um, and for me, that's really critical. And I can feel when I don't do it. Like it's it's very different. People are like, "Well, do you feel different?" Yeah, absolutely different. If I don't go, it, it becomes really important in clearing the way for me to be able to be a critical thinker, to be able to solve problems, to be able to just get my work done. And I think, I mean, this is something that's still fairly new. I'm in my late forties. And, um, <laughs> this is something within the last you know five or six years that I've adopted into my life. And I think that that's really, it's been a huge differentiator in my ability to be, to be as effective as, well, some people say I am. <laughs> as effective as you definitely are. Uh, thank you for sharing. That's one of my favorite answers. I think you, I think you nailed it. Not gonna lie. I, um, I, I know you said you're, you're new in this as far as this fitness, not maybe not the fitness thing, but the, the CrossFit thing. I, by contrast, up until about a couple of weeks ago, never really worked out a day in my life. So, but I feel you though on the benefits. The reason why I started, it wasn't because I had like a, a goal weight or something. I don't even know that I believe in those, but I just, okay, sure. I wanted my butt to be cuter, but besides that, I just, I did. I wanted this clarity that you're talking about. Um, and so it's encouraging uh, to it's, hear you I mean, talk if about you what spend you're one hour a day trying not to die, it's really healthy. <laughs> Sweet. So I'm nailing it. Well, I know that just like me, Chris, other folks listening have become fast fans of yours and they're going to want to know how to keep up with you. So let everybody out here know how to connect with you. Easiest way is I'm on Twitter at uh, CP Willis, all one word, or LinkedIn. I don't know what my, I think I'm CP Willis on LinkedIn as well, but Christopher Willis at Acrolinks will find me on LinkedIn. I am excited to talk to all of you. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have a million other questions for you. So the only solution here is that you're going to have to come talk to me again. I'm going to have to have you on the show again. At I some would point. love to. <laughs> but for now, we're going to go ahead and close it out. Thank you so much for being on the show with us, Chris. Thank you for having me. We totally get it. We publish a ton of content on this podcast and it can be a lot to keep up with. That's why we've started the B2B Growth Big Three 
a no-fluff email that boils down our three biggest takeaways from an entire week of episodes. Sign up today at sweetfishmedia.com slash big three. That's sweetfishmedia.com slash big three. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.